Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's July 14th, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. And can we call it the best podcast on the planet when we can't even figure out how to record it? <laughs> I, I think we still can. You know how they say, like, even Michael Jordan, when he's 70%, is still better than the rest of the league? I, I think <laughs> we're still better than the rest of the league, even though today we had a huge hiccup with the show. But we're still coming to you from uh, sunny Florida. I'm so actually surprised we don't already have people posting on Poker Radius. Where's the show? <laughs> 50 minutes trying to figure out how to record it, so we're 50 minutes behind schedule. So. Yeah, we, uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I just... Uh, no reason to tell them what's going on, but we figured it out because we're coming to you now. And uh, are you serious with this Poker Hall of Fame nomination story here to leave the show? I mean, are they? Uh, isn't there a Poker Hall of Fame story on our file like every other week? It, uh, you know, the funny it, it's, it's really funny you mention that because when we got the email, I'm like, we just went through this, didn't we? Didn't we just do this? And I, I guess why it is is because you know, up until this year, for the last several years. They, they've announced the nominees during the World Series of Poker, but then they don't actually announce the winners or do the induction until the November 9 in November, right? Right. So I, I guess nothing in the timing has changed now because we would have gotten the nominations this time of year anyhow. Uh, the only thing that's changing is that we won't have a long lull uh, while we wait to find out who gets in because they're going <laughs> to be inducting him soon. But yeah, you're right. It seems like every month, we're, we're having this conversation. And literally, I look at this list, and I'm like, I, I, I remember us talking about it and putting it in the magazine, and wow, that was a year ago. That was a quick year. Man, it's ridiculous. Something's not right. Something, <laughs> I, there, something's just not right. We've stepped into like a time warp continuum or something. There is no way that – there's just no way. Something's not right. <laughs> well, anyhow, uh, this week's nominees for the uh, – I'm sorry, this year's nominees. Look at that. I'm trying to make it a weekly thing now. Right, right. This year's nominees for the Poker Hall of Fame have been announced. Uh, two new candidates are Maury uh, Escandani and Phil Ivey. Uh, three of last year's finalists return, Max uh, Pescatore. Look at that stretch of that, Max. <laughs> Max Pescatore, Matt Savage, and David uh, Hewitt. And five previous nominees, David Chu, Ted Forrest, Thor Hansen, Mike Matisau, and Huckleberry Seed. Uh, once again, find themselves in the top 10. Um, these names will be submitted to the 27 living Hall of Fame members and an 18-person media panel, not including us, later this month for voting. Uh, and the 2017 class will be inducted as part of the World Series Poker Main Event Final Table Festivities in Las Vegas, July 21st, during the ESPN telecast. Not November this year. Ah. Okay. Well, what do we think? <laughs> well, I, we could start with this. I am not ever going to be inducted into the Poker Hall of Fame Pronunciation Hall of Fame. <laughs> you did all right. 
Yeah, I, I mangled at least three there, but uh, <laughs> but I, but you know what though? You had the flair with Max. So Max. That kind of makes up for it. I'm a goat. That's funny. Um. Well, yeah. You know, I was kind of hoping you were going to take the lead here. Because All right, I'll take the lead. I have really no. I, I I'm up 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 a creek without a paddle. Kind of like us recording the show today. Yeah. So they only take two, right? Yes. All right. So Phil Ivey's a lock. You think he's a lock? He's a lock. Wow, that's a bold statement. Lock. A lock on his first year on after lock. this uh, Baccarat debacle thing? Oh, they don't care about that. Mm-hmm. They all probably agree with him. Pete Rose isn't in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, People care yeah. about this stuff. He did, he did cheat at poker. He cheated at something else. that He, he didn't wow. really cheat. His angle He'll claim he didn't cheat, yes. <laughs> That's right. So, <laughs> um, he's a lock. As Why? for the others, okay. well, I think Escondani did more for poker bringing it to the masses than say uh, matt savage but matt savage has served for the game in a much higher capacity and more uh what's the word i'm looking for uh, visible i guess yeah. than, than escondani behind the scenes but escondani's been doing the producing of television poker for since day one basically it seems like uh but i think ivy's a lock i think this is the year that Huxseed might get in. I think, think so. the world champion's been on the, the roster for a little while now. I think he might get in. Uh, if I had to pick two, those are the two I would pick, Huxseed and Phil Ivey. The good thing is we don't have to pick two because we're still not on the media panel. That's right. So. They still don't put us on the media panel. We can just sit here and, you know, talk about it and not have any consequences. Apparently there are 18 people in the media more important than the people who own the <laughs> largest poker magazine in the world. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, they're all deserving. It's weird. When you see Max Pescatori's name on there, you know, he only got his bracelets within the last couple of years. You know what I mean? So he's starting to peak now. It seems like he's got a long career ahead of him, and he's going to keep doing stuff. So, you know, it's okay if he doesn't get into the hall. You know, he only really came into his own within the last four or five years. So I would say no. Oliot, uh, what did he really do? You know, he was he was on TV a lot, and he won a World Poker Tour here or there or whatever, but, you know, now he's gone. Um, I don't know. Um, Matt Savage, again, he's done a ton for the game, if that's the way. We, we have the same conversation every year, I think, where we say if it's one for the game and one for playing, then, yeah, Savage still deserves to be in. I think we mentioned that last year. It's, it's tough between him and Escondani, but I think uh, Savage is more public, more visible, and... More known. Well, I, I will say I don't think there's any comparison between these two. I think Matt Savage, with what he's done with the poker TDA, puts him in a class above more. And I have great respect for both of them, and they've both done a lot in terms right. of, of of getting the the word of poker out there. But in terms of actually affecting the game, there I don't think there's anybody on this list that's done more for that than Matt Savage with the poker TDA. So. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I just, you know, I think Escondani's also a player, too, but I can't remember. I'm pretty sure he was a really, like, back in the day, he was, like, the one of the players, like, one of the, the insiders. You know what I mean? So that's the thing about these these Hall of Fame things is it's not about, we're not taking a poll of everyone who's playing poker right now. It's about the 18 people on the media panel who really are connected to the poker world and then the 27 Hall of Fame members, and most of those people come from the old days. So 
I, I, I agree with you on the Matt Savage as far as the poker TDA and all that stuff, and it's true. And, and all of those people still know what Matt Savage has done for them too. So that's I'm not saying they're blind to that. I'm just saying that they also know Maury. You know what I mean? So right, yeah, good, good question. Yep. But yeah, you're right. When it comes to the contributions to the actual game, yeah, I think Matt Savage obviously has done more than pretty much just about anybody. Um, I don't know. Phil Ivy, Huxseed. I'm sticking by those two. You're sticking by those two. Hmm. All right. Uh, let me ask you this. Is is the world champion title losing its luster a little bit in terms of something that would make you qualified to be in the Hall of Fame? That's a good question because... I mean, it, we, can you make the argument that it's harder to win the World Series main event now than it when... Huck Seed won, and I'm not taking anything away from anybody on this list. Everybody on this list deserves to be here. Um, phenomenal player, but you know, it's interesting that you mentioned he was a world champion, which is obviously a great thing to have on your resume when we're having this talk, but I don't know. <laughs> that voice, you got to stop doing that. I mean, my ears <laughs> pop. Um, no, you know, you're right. Well, here's the deal. I think it was an easier amount of people to fade to win when Huxley did it and it's harder to win now but it doesn't make you a better player now because right. you're wading through like this I don't know if you're going to mention it on the show but they had over 7,000 people right yeah you did have okay so 72-21 in the main event you know that's that's a lot of players that don't know what they're doing who right. are just hey you know what I, I want to see it at my local Hick casino or my home game at home or and so there are a lot of people that can be exploited when there's 7,000 of them in front of you. When Huck Seed won, it was w- way less. It, was, it was, wasn't even four figures. I think it was still in the hundreds. So to me, yes, it, it, it's harder to win now, but doesn't make you a better player. Like, I think Huck Seed won when he had to beat 95% of the people who were as good as he was, or 90 or something yeah. like that. Whereas now, maybe 10% of those people could beat Huxied, you know, over the long term when Huxied was in his prime. So I, I just think that, yes, I agree with you. I think that the, the, the luster of the title has, has sort of dimmed. I think that it's, it's more of a crapshoot now, and it's, it's just ridiculous when you think about how many people play now. It's crazy. So, um, to win it now, let's be honest. We're publishers of a of a poker magazine, and I don't think you could name the last five world champs. No, yeah, I mean I, I, that's part of I guess where I'm getting. Yeah, at no, now. I know. I, 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 I just don't know who the world champs are anymore, um, unless they really make a contribution to the game. And um, I guess part of me thinks that Huxley's just kind of a, a holdover from when poker took off, and he's one of those personalities at that point. Um, I don't know what he's done since then. I, he, he might have done something since then. I don't know. Well, I know but. he won the Heads Up Championship that time. and went crazy over That's, that, yep. right? That was pretty huge. So um, I'm trying to – I can look up his stats while we're talking, but I'm pretty sure that Huck Seed – I mean, he's got the the world title, but he's got – does he have another bracelet? I think he does. Um, I, I, but you're right. I, I, he's like one of the very last winners of the old school titles. Because it came in like what ninety six or ninety eight or something like that, and so maybe even late, yeah, maybe that's when it was. I'm not sure. 
Um, but I just, I just don't know. Let me see. I got a stats here. Let's see. All right. So bracelets. Trying to see. He's got seven million in earnings. Um, trying to see all of his firsts. So he, you know, poker after dark doesn't really count. Um, a lot of his stuff is is the made for TV stuff now because that's when poker took off and he entered a bunch of those things. But I won't get one way down at the bottom when he won the world title. Okay, so yeah, he's got ninety four. He got a Omaha bracelet, Potlum at Omaha. Um, he uh, he's won other major tournaments. He's got a lot of firsts and seconds on here, including uh, World Series stuff. Um, another runner up bracelet, runner up bracelet. Um, winning, uh, so yeah, he won the yeah it was ninety six. So he won the world title ninety six, won a million bucks, and that's long before. Um, and he won another. He won. Oh, you know what he won? He won the World Poker Finals at Foxwoods in ninety seven. So he's got major titles here. You know, he's got the Carnival of Poker, which was also a huge event in the day for three hundred six grand. So I I really think that. Although he won, it wasn't just that title. I didn't want to go too long on that, but this wasn't just that world title that is why he's famous. I mean, he's got bracelets, he's got major titles before they were called major events. You know what I mean? And yeah, absolutely. Um, like I said, I'm not taking away from anybody on this list. Uh, I'm like, it, but it's this is you know you got to come up with two because that's the way the rules are. So yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of looking at him and I'm like, hmm. I mean, like he, he won the world title. The, it, it, People that were born the year he won the world title are now old enough to play in the World Series. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, so it's and, and not that you need to continue doing stuff during your life to uh, continue to be a, to, to make you worthy of the Hall of Fame. I mean, some people do really good work for a, a short amount of time and and then they disappear, and that's fine. But um, um. I don't know if if, uh, if I have to choose to, and again I don't have to because we're not part of the media panel. I don't know if they may do that. Uh, I, I'm going to go with Matt Savage and Ted Forrest. Oh well, Ted's I really think good. Ted Forrest is one of those guys that doesn't get enough um, notice because I think a lot of his poker is in those high stakes cash games that no one sees. Um, now he obviously he's had success in tournaments as well too, but um, and he's a mixed game guy. So I'm always a big fan of mixed game guys. Um, and I'm looking at this list of players, and I'm like, eh, he might be the one I'm most scared to play against, um, aside from maybe Phil Ivy. But, uh, but I'll be interested to see if Ivy gets in. I, you know, obviously, you know, he took the poker world by storm. Um, you know, just phenomenally good player. Um, what I think is interesting about that too is remember we used to, he used to be called the Tiger Woods of poker, right? Yes. And now we're in the world now where. Tiger Woods isn't even a name in golf anymore. So, what's well, interesting uh, is they both ran into legal troubles and or, yeah, or personal yeah. troubles. I guess you could say for one and legal, but uh, yeah, you're right. But you know what though? Uh, it's it's so hard. Everyone on this list deserves to be in the hall at some point. Uh, I think Huck Seed's time is waning. You know, you don't hear about him doing anything ever. Yeah, I was gonna say he's kind of like the baseball players to get to the you know where they don't make it on enough ballots. Yes. Yeah. You know? And then they they fall off, you know. So they're always like, "Hey, this is like the last year." I'm like, I'm curious committee. how much longer he'll be able to stay on this list if he doesn't get in. So. Only a veterans committee like they do with baseball and say, "You know what? We forgot about this guy. We shouldn't have forgotten about him." And they should have that. They should have like uh, a service industry one every year, a player every year, and then a veterans committee every year. 
And well, hey, we're in the generation now of participation ribbons, so everybody gets one. So, <laughs> well, uh, all these guys deserve it. The interesting thing I think that I always bring up is that this, this should be a world Hall of Fame, right? right. And we're very American centric here. Um, and obviously, we've got some international players on this list, but they're not jumping out at me like they usually are. Um, and again, not to take anything away from Max or Thor or, or Devilfish here, but they're just not. In the past, there's always been somebody on this list that I thought is just redefined poker in their country. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe our listeners will disagree with me and say yeah, one of these have in their country. But they don't – that's not jumping out at me this year. So it makes it a little easier for me because that's always been my criteria. I thought I always thought that we needed to have a really good player, a really good world ambassador, and a really good ambassador. And you only have two. So it, it's hard to find those three things in two people. Yeah. Yeah, and we so always complain about that too. Right. Well, like if yep. people are deserving that's to be in, that's why baseball does a percentage. If the percentage of votes is seventy-eight or whatever it is, I forget right. what it's been out of baseball for a while, but yeah, you know, then they get in. So why does it always have to be two? And you're limiting. We say this every year. It's like we should just yep. record the same show and then just insert names. <laughs> insert names. <laughs> insert name here. Um, but I don't, I'm I'm always I'm a, every year I'm kind of disappointed with who they pick too. I, one year I, I know I'll agree with one, but not the other. Or I'll say what over this person. So I'll be interested to see if they, if they hit it on. I, I think it's going to be Phil Ivey and Huxley this year. I think Huxley's finally going to get in. Okay. All right. Now some murder, some names for us, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, we mentioned the world series is still going on. So Alexandru Papazian, Papazian. I'm going to say Papazian. Papazian. Uh, all right, Papazian. I like Papazian, that. Papazian. Papazian. Uh, became the first Romanian in history to win a World Series bracelet when he won event number 60, the $888 buy-in Crazy Eights event. Uh, Ilior Sion, a 26-year-old Brit, won event number, not six, uh, 60-something. <laughs> he won the 50K Players Championship. $50,000 buy-in <laughs> Players Championship. Boy, a little sloppier today. Sorry, folks. Uh, Sebastian Langrock, who previously won $1 million on the German version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, won event number 64, the $1,500 buy-in No Limit Hold'em Pot Limit Omaha Mixed Event. Nippin Javeltlini Java, <laughs> who was one half of the winner, uh, winning tag teams earlier this series, became only the second player to win two bracelets this summer after he won event number 71, the $1,000 buy-in online event. The main event attracted 7,221 entries, third most of all time, and a record 1,084 players will cash. And remember uh, Andy Upper, Steve Pavlicek, Chris? Yes. He wrote us recently for advice on playing the main event because his good friend died before he could make it and bequeathed entries to his poker buddies. Uh, the story keeps getting more inspiring. All five of Tom's friends advanced to day two. That's amazing. Wow. And Steve's table was picked to be the featured table on broadcast with interviews about his story. That's great. If you want to go find them, uh, they're, they're posted on the web. And uh, he had a fortunate double up on day two, and he and two others are still alive on day three, which starts today. Oh, man. I got a little choked up there. Yeah, that's that really cool. I got chills. Man, that's awesome. I'm so happy for them. Yeah, absolutely. That's really, really, really good. Um, and um, uh, I don't know. Have you watched any of it? Uh, no, <laughs> I've been busy. <laughs> I was going to say no, but we were we were out to dinner last night, and then also went to a bar afterwards, and it was on both places. So um, I watched a little bit. I mean, obviously the sound wasn't on because you're in a bar. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I got to admit, I, I was I was 
missing every third word my wife was saying because I was kind of keeping my eye on it just because I, I realized I kind of miss it watching it now. Um, and it was kind of cool to see the, um, the you know the commentators. It looked like they did a really good job with it. Again, I couldn't hear it, so I don't know. But um, it, the production value was just as good as I as you would have thought it was. And um, it was kind of cool to see the feature table and people talking. And um, um, and definitely really cool to see our, our Andy up friend here uh, getting the feature table. How cool is that? Yeah, right? that's just fantastic. And, you know, I think the great thing about that is, and I don't know how the whole process worked, but I'm pretty sure they don't walk around in a maze of 700 tables and ask people what their stories are, right? right. I think they walk around and look for a table that's got a couple players that people know, right? Right. And then that was part of the story. I forget who he said was at his table, but a couple a couple big pros were. So that's like gold. You know, if you randomly, as a TV producer, randomly pick this table because, let's say, Phil Hellmuth is on it, right? And then all of a sudden you start talking to the other players and you find this story. That's just great, isn't it? Right. It's freaking unbelievable. Well, uh, Steve, we certainly hope that you win the whole thing or one of your uh, uh, the other two friends uh, do because that's going to be an amazing story. It's time for any updates. Balcony Annie Up Pogo Cruise packages for two for our September 17th Galveston cruise will be given away each at La Burge Casino Hotel in Baton Rouge, Louisiana and at La Burge Casino Resort in Lake Charles in July. That's this month. <laughs> uh, one package and 500 bucks will go to the winner of invitational tournaments every Saturday and cash prizes of 200 to $1,000 uh, going to the, uh, the runners-up. Players can win invitations to participate in a variety of ways, including winning daily tournaments, logging the most cash play, or being selected in social media contests. For more details, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. And as we mentioned before, our schedule for the 2017 Antioch World Championship at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, uh, July 20th to August 6th, has been announced. The 18-event series features more than a million dollars in guarantees, including the 500K main event, three other multi-day events, and a heads-up championship. For more details on this and all Antioch Poker Tour events, visit AntiochPokerTour.com. Wow, it starts next week. I know. And you're leaving, what, two weeks from now? Something like that? Uh, you, well, I'm leaving next week, but I'm not getting out to Thunder Valley until two weeks from today. Right. Okay. I'll be out there, folks. Your money will be available, just not for a while. <laughs> Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This is Dan. He says he was in Atlantic City a few weeks ago, and there were a couple... There was a couple at my table. The woman is slow. You can tell she's new to the game, and the dealer has to remind her to act. The man leaves the table, and it's just her in a hand uh, with what seems like a typical Jersey Deutsche Bank. Very nice. <laughs> They're betting, and the board runs out with three clubs and two tens. The Jersey Shore bets and says, it's okay. I got the ten. Let me take it. He kind of flashes the cards without showing them and lifts them off the table like he's going to grab the pot, enticing her to just fold. Turns out he had pocket eights and she had six four clubs and when facing the river bet she only had about 15 bucks left in a pot of about 120. She looked confused when he said, I have the 10 but ended up making the call. After the hand, someone asked if Jersey Shore was allowed to say, I have a 10 and the dealer said he can say whatever he wants. Knowing that this woman is new to the game and unfamiliar with some rules, is it unethical to try to take advantage of her by lying about your hand in that situation? It seemed to me like it was more than just lying about his hand. I couldn't care less what he says uh, he has, just the fact that he acted like the hand was over and it clearly wasn't. Hmm, I don't know if it's unethical. It's clearly Deutsche Bankery, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, there's the argument that people will play that when you sit down at the game and with your money that you sit down at the game with your money and whatever somebody needs to do within the rules to separate you from your money is fair game, right? Yeah. So I could see that argument being made. Um, obviously, I'm not this type of player. You're not this type of player. Dan's not this type of player. So we generally look down on this type of player. But I don't know if it goes all the way to unethical. I think he, he saw an easy mark and was acting like he probably always does based on the description from Dan. I, we all know these kind of guys, right? Right. Um, and, you know, the good thing is she made the call, I guess. I don't know if she won, you know. Yeah, he had pocket eights, and she made the call, yeah. so right, right. she had so, a flush. Uh, you know, hey, he, <laughs> it didn't work for him, but, um, yeah, it, it's just, I don't know if it's unethical, it's just, uh, he's just being a Deutsche Bank, and I don't like those kind of guys. I agree, it's an angle shot, in a way, because he he's taking the angle that she doesn't know what she's doing, and he's talking to her and lying to her, but... He's not lying her with his actions. He's lying to her with his mouth, and it's a it's a Deutsche Banky thing to do. And it's an angle shot. I think. I think it is an angle shot. It's it's because it's within the rules, but it's not cool. And it, 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 we we've had these discussions a lot about ethics in poker, and it's really tough to have a pool of ethics when it comes to this game. Because so many things involve being deceptive right. in the game. Yeah. If, if we all played ABC, we might just turn the cards face up and say well, he's going to win because he, you know, no, there's deception and, and misdirection and and it sounds like a magic act, but it, what it really is is just it's it's a way to get your money from get something from someone who doesn't really have the complete information, and this guy was just being. You know, he was taking advantage of a situation. He knew she was a beginner, and he was trying to make her think, I can't beat 310, so I might as well fold. And good for her, she didn't. Um, but, yeah, I, I, ethics. I, there, you, Come up with an example of something that's unethical in poker. Can wow. you? I mean, just give me something that's unethical at the table. Well, I mean, marking cards. That's illegal, right? That's not ethical. Uh, we're talking about the, the rules, right? That's why. That's what I was, I'm hoping. I'm glad you said that in a way because we've talked about this before. Where I'm always saying it's not against the rules. So uh, ethics and rules aren't exactly the same thing. So that's why I'm trying, still trying to find an ethical thing. That's that's illegal. That's against the rules. So it's not really unethical. It's illegal. So what's unethical about it in the game? Hmm. Right. Yeah. Maybe a good point. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to get flooded by all these emails saying this is unethical. I'm, I'm saying it's hard to even come up with something off the top of your head that's unethical in the game. Marking the cards, sure, that's illegal. It's, it's illegal. You're not allowed to mark the cards. It's against the rules. You are, un- are not allowed to do it. So it's cheating. But it's not cheating to tell somebody you have a ten when you don't. Uh, is it unethical? Yeah. Well, it's, it's in the. It's in the. It, it, we're bluffing all the time. You're raising here like you have it. Well, you don't have it, so you're lying to me. Yeah, well, I'm bluffing. Okay, well, I'm bluffing. I don't have a 10. It's not unethical. See, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah, I think it's just a Deutsche Bank is what it is. I don't, I don't know if it's unethical. Well, the other interesting thing about this, too, is it starts out, you know, I, I think there's a there's a thread in Dan's email here about taking advantage of a new player at the table. Isn't there, right? I mean, yeah. it's more about this guy and what he's doing, but... Um, so take away the fact that this guy is a Deutsche Bank, right? Right. And, and 
uh, you know, I'm a little concerned about people saying that we should play new players differently, right? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I'm going to be patient with a new player that's you know doesn't know the um, you know how things work and all that. I'm certainly going to be patient with them, but I'm not going to play them differently because they're new, right? I think that's probably a, an unethical in a weird way <laughs> of you know playing a player differently just because they're new than the player sitting next to them that that you know is experienced. So, but I don't know. I don't. I'm not. I don't really. I think that's not right. I don't think you're. I don't think that's exactly truthful. I think right. if, if you're sitting at a table with someone that you know is a newbie that clearly doesn't understand that they shouldn't wear their tells on their face or they should, you know what I mean? So if you're, if you're looking at this player and you could just tell that they don't even know what they're doing and you're in a cash hand with them, you're not going to check it down with them and hope that they, that you win. You're going to bet and make them fold because they don't, they don't understand the strength of their own hand, or I mean, you'll still take advantage of that situation when you can. You're just well, not going to be a saying, dick about right. it, right? Yeah. No, I. Yeah, you might have misunderstood. Or yeah, I think I, I did. Go ahead, say so. Say it again. Yeah. No, I'm saying the, the opposite. Where I'm not going to play a new player soft just because oh. they're a new player. Oh, okay. Okay. Good. I thought you were saying like you weren't playing them different. You would. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what I was saying was that the, the you know, way because, you would play I mean, differently was. He, the pretense here is, hey, I've got the 10, let me take it, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't want to take your money, right? Now, obviously, he was lying, so it's a whole different story, or bluffing, if you want to call it that. Um, um, but let's say that uh, that I have the nuts, I have the nut flush, right? Mm-hmm. And then I make this bet on the river, as I should, even though it's not required. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I tell the player, I could tell the player's new, and, you know, hey, I, I've got the flush. You know, save your money. We've always heard people say that, right? Right. That, I think, is wrong as well. That's what I get, I'm trying to get at. It's okay. like, oh, you know, this player's new. You know, I don't want to abuse them, but I got the nuts, and I have to bet it, and I don't want you to I, – I, whatever reason, I don't want you to pay me off. I just – I feel bad. That's unfair to the other players. Anyway. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, see, what you said could be taken both ways. It's one of those rare instances where the statement can mean both <laughs> things. So I understand you now. Okay, very good. Yeah, so the guy was a Deutsche Bank. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at com, and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Comes from Reed Perkins. In a World Series of Poker tournament last year, it was the last dealer rotation before the end of the night. The dealer checked the red deck and put it back, checked the blue deck, put it back, grabbed the red deck, and starts dealing. Everyone has their whole cards, and one player has put out a bet when another player says, hey, there are still cards in the tray. Sure enough, there were several red cards sitting there that hadn't been shuffled or dealt. The floor said to show the one red card that was face up, but not the other ones, and to finish out the hand. The floor got called away pretty quickly, but the table quickly started coming up with hypotheticals that the dealer was unsure about. Was this the correct decision? Would it have been declared a misdeal if no action had happened yet? There were three cards missing. What's the maximum number of cards that could have been discovered missing for the floor to have still said, go ahead as normal? Would the ruling have been different if this wasn't the very first hand after checking the decks? Wow, only five questions. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what, though? I love how short Elliot's answer. I thought it was going to be really long considering all his questions. So this is great. <laughs> all right. Elliot says, I have no idea why the dealer felt the need to handle each deck prior to dealing. This must have something to do with W-SOP procedures. 
the problem is that it gave the WSOP an opportunity for this kind of error to arise. Four person may not have uh, called this one correctly, or he may have. You weren't specific enough with the info you provided. If the bet was placed by the under the gun player and the table spoke up about the missing cards in the tray, then a misdeal should have been declared. Substantial action would not have occurred, and the hand may be declared a misdeal. If there are any folds between the bet being placed in the big blind, then the four person called it correctly by TDA rules. TDA rule 35, substantial action, substantial, substantial action is either A, any two actions in turn, at least one of which puts chips in the pot, for example, any two actions except two checks or two folds, or B, any combination of three actions in turn, check, bet, raise, call, fold. As for declaring the misdeals due to missing cards, there is no minimum or maximum. There is only one exposed card which does not constitute a misdeal by Rule 34, Misdeals, Subsection A, Part 1, Two or More Box Cards and Initial Deal. Otherwise, the gulp decision is the right one. Play it where it lays. Uh, the random card theory is what provides the reasoning and basis for Rules 34 and 35. The general idea uh, of that is if card... It is if cards of the deck remain unseen by any player, then it can be assumed that these cards are still in the deck and in play, and the odds are unaffected since nobody knows the value of any cards they can't see. Yep, that's right. Those cards could just as easily be stuck on the bottom of the deck, and you don't know if they could have come out to help your hand or not. You don't know anything about it. You have to play as if you don't know, and that's just the way it goes. So I, I think that uh, you know they both nailed it there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's it's one of those tougher things for some people to wrap their head around because they're like, well, the cards aren't in the deck. I don't have a chance of winning. Well, there's a lot of cards in the deck that you never see in that hand. So, um, yeah, I, I would feel if I have pocket eights and I find out that both eights are <laughs> not in the deck, I'd be upset. But we don't know that. So the one card that was exposed, they showed. So everybody knows that that one's not possible coming out. But the rest, we don't know. Right. So Yep, absolutely. <sighs> but yeah, I mean, this is kind of stuff. I mean, Elliot's right. I mean, again, I don't know what the uh, the procedures are there, but it, I, I can't imagine a procedure that would have the dealer sit down and then touch both decks and then pick up pick one of them up and deal with. Yeah. You know? Do you think this dealer was the one with Tomio's SOL back in twenty oh seven? Probably, probably from the same dealing school. Yeah, probably the yeah. same. Yeah, everything. <laughs> you know, we have a new O'Malley's move today, uh, but it's going to be the old tournament ride-along. Wow, that's a flashback. Yeah, we did that before, too. And uh, so I think what we're going to do is we're probably going to treat it like we do normal O'Malley's moves and play one, and then next week we'll recap it. Because it, I think there's a lot of information there from each one that we might need to remember as we move forward in the tournament. So here we go, a brand-new tournament ride-along from Malcolm O'Malley. Hello, and welcome to a special tournament ride-along edition of O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. For the next several episodes, we will be sitting in a tournament in Wendover, Nevada at the Montego Bay Casino. We won our seat into this tournament, which has a buy-in of $200, so we're essentially free-rolling. There are 84 players, and the top prize is over $6,000. Top 10 get paid. Everybody starts with 6,000 in units. Levels are 20 minutes. We're in the first round, blinds are 25-50, and the tournament has been going on for about 10 minutes. We've seen several hands, folded all of them, and are now in the small blind with the seven of clubs, four of clubs. It's limped around to us, 
We complete the blind. The big blind checks, and with 200 in the pot, the flop is the ace of spades, six of clubs, five of diamonds. Action's on us. Are we leading out here or checking? What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, new uh, listener here. Oh, yeah? Or first time submitter, I should say. All right, good. Uh, no, actually, no, he's a new listener. Just <laughs> Hi, guys, just started listening to the podcast. Yay! Nice. Uh, all right, from Gavin Fisher, welcome to the Antioch family. And uh, he says he's playing in his usual home game in Johannesburg, South Africa. Nice. And uh, this is what I like about these new listeners. He says, I'm going to do everything in dollar equivalent numbers so we don't have to figure out the, <laughs> the South African ruble or whatever. Right. <laughs> right. Which, remember, Paul always sends us all these South uh, African hands, and it's like he's playing – uh, in the Players' Championship. <laughs> it's big amounts. Right, right. All right, so uh, blinds are uh, $1, roughly $1, $2. One two, yeah. Um, and then uh, Gavin says he's had a good night so far and is up uh, to $300. Uh, at an eight-handed table, it's folded to him in the cutoff with the King of Clubs, Queen of Clubs. Yeah, this is a raising hand. Um, what I don't know what the normal raise would be but probably 10 or 12 if we're in one of our games it'd be 10 or 12 at the casino or at the cruise ship so i would say 10 or 12 probably raise with it it's definitely a good raising hand i'm not folding it and i don't want to just call with it i want to make sure that i'm either stealing the, not stealing taking down the blinds or at least getting the position getting the button to fold or something so i'm gonna make it 10 or 12 yeah, I always get the uh, the willies when I see King Queen, so um, I'm excited about it, but you're right. I mean, it's been folded to us. Um, it's very weak for us to fold here when we're in the cutoff. Uh, we get almost position here, um, and, of course, they're suited, so that makes it 27 times better. Not really. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to make the standard raise, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm also going to be cur- uh, cautious if we get callers. Uh, this is a hand that often gets us in trouble. So yes, but yes, now we're hand. hope we can raise and, and take it, um, or raise and, and take control of the hand, keep control of the hand. But uh, if we get played back at um, with the king or queen on the flop, I'm going to be a little worried, or yes. at least caught, not worried. Yep. All right, our hero uh, says, uh, "Make the table standard eight dollars to go." Uh, button calls, and he says he's a solid, relatively tight player who has about uh, two hundred dollars. Um, the small blind folds and the big blind calls, and the big blind is a pretty aggressive player uh, who's both a friend of ours and a bit of a nemesis at the table. Okay. Um, he said he just won a big pot with a bluff on the end, and he has about three fifty, so he's got us covered. Uh, we have the other guy covered. Flop comes ace of spades, queen of hearts, seven of spades, and the big blind bets fifteen dollars into the twenty-five dollar pot. Uh, I'm a little wary of the, he told us that he won a big pot with a bluff, so I don't know if he's telling us that to make us think he might be bluffing here, so, or generally when people make a big bluff in recent hand, they don't do it again, so it's a very tough situation for me, um, and then he donk bet into us, mm-hmm. so... Generally, when people raise, they have an ace in their hand or something or a queen. A lot of times this will happen. So for this guy to bet into us, 
is interesting, but if he does like to bluff, I'm going to call this. I'm not going to raise because I don't know what the guy behind me is going to do. If I just call the what you I remember what the 15, if I just call the 15 and the button goes away, now I've got position and I think I can you know, I I can maybe see this guy checks to me again or because he, he seems like he is an aggressive bluffer, so and betting into me when I, you know, what, what is he? So I think he might be trying to represent that ace and not really have it. If he was in the blinds with an ace, wouldn't he have raised again? So because he's aggressive. Um, so I'm going to call. I'm not going to re-raise, though, I, I, because I, I'm just putting extra money out there for someone to just bluff at it, and then I'm not I'm going to fold if he comes over the top of me. So I want to call, see what the button does. Button folds, then I'm happy, and then I'll see what happens. I'm folding this 27 times. If you give me 27 times to fold it. <laughs> I, I thought about folding, but I'm really not going to fold here. I really feel like this guy donk betting into me would have had an ace preflop. It would have done something with it. If he's, that, if he's that aggressive, why would he just call there? I mean, he may say, okay, here's the deal. If he believes that we have an ace preflop, and that's why he doesn't raise with his – I mean, that's why he didn't raise with his ace. Then he wouldn't bet into us if an ace came. I don't believe this guy has an ace. I just don't. I think we're good here. But I, I don't I don't want to go crazy because the guy behind me is the one that could have a that's legitimate hand. Right. That's my problem. But it's only 15 bucks, and I have 300 in front of me. I is more predicated on the situation that we're in. Um, you know, we raise preflop, so, I mean, we could represent this ace. Um, but now we got a – you know, player donk betting into us, which you're right. I mean, it seems unlikely that he has an ace and he's trying to find out whether we do or the other player does. Um, though, uh, not entirely uh, convinced that he doesn't. He could have a weak ace um, and not think that we have one. Um, but I'm more worried now that we got a player behind us, too. So, you know, you're willing to put the 15 bucks in to see what happens there. Maybe that's the right play. Um but I, I just the problem is, is the whole rest of this hand. I'm going to wonder if we're good. Um, you know, if a, if a king comes, is that going to help us or does that hurt us? If a queen comes, uh, now we're going to be committed to this hand. But we could be up against ace queen with this guy. You know, I mean, I don't necessarily raise with ace queen out of the big blind when it's been raised already. Um, but do you so, donk bet into the guy who took control of the hand when you hit top two? Uh, you wait, right? You would just bet into him and make him fold. That's true. Um, but uh, <clears throat> so I, don't know. I just I, I feel like we're gonna. Th- this is where we're gonna swirl down a rabbit hole in this hand, and that's that's the problem with king queen. Is I mean, how many times have we got hands a week? We start off with king queen, and people say, "I know it's king queen. Uh, I'm not gonna get in trouble with it." And at the end, they're they're broke uh, because they've lost to they got out kicked or something. So. Right. I just it just doesn't seem like a spot that I need to. I put the A box in. It didn't work out. Ace came. Guys betting into me. I got a player behind me that I don't know that very well could have like a suited Ace four or something and has his beat now. Um, I it just there's a lot of trouble here and I'm just not excited with my hand here. So I'm gonna save my fifteen bucks and if I got taken advantage of here, that's fine because I think <laughs> if you chart this out. The number of hands you're going to win like this and the amount of money you're going to win from these hands is going to be dwarfed by the amount of money that you lose with these hands eventually. Those are pretty good points. I'm going to call. <laughs> I'm going to guess that our uh, hero calls as well, too. Okay. Um, all right. Our hero says, uh, knowing that the, the big blind regularly leads, uh, I call 
and wait to see what the button does. All right, so he's playing Chris Casenza style here. Yay! And the button folds. Yay! All right, so maybe Scott's wrong here. We'll find out. Okay. Uh, turn is the Queen of Spades. So board now is Ace of Spades, Queen of Hearts, Seven of Spades, Queen of Spades, and the big blind checks to us now. Uh, yeah. Um, now I'm going to bet. I, I, I'm going to bet now. I'm going to bet pretty big. Um, all right, so we bet, he bet 15, so that's 30, and so 20, so 15 was 40, so it's $55 pot. There's no rate because it's a home game. So I'm going to bet pretty big. I'm going to bet, like, the pot. Yeah, bet 55. Yeah, is that what it was, 55? Yeah, I'm going to bet yeah. that. Interesting. I'm going to bet pretty big here. I feel like I have three queens, but the hand is susceptible to a random spade and maybe a random draw, like King Jack or something. I don't know. But I, I, I'm I, going to bet pretty big here. I don't believe the guy. If the guy made a flush, he wouldn't check because now he's giving me a chance to make a boat. Or he's afraid I already made a boat. You know, because I called his bet. He he was all right. I called your bluff. Now I'm going to bet because why would you not bet again if you had an ace? So you're afraid. If you had the flush, why wouldn't you bet? Because you want to get money out of me, hoping I have a queen. So by him checking me, it means that he doesn't have that ace, and I need to turn up the heat now because I don't have a spade. I have two clubs. I'm going to bet like pot. Do you are you not fearful that he has spades? I'm not fearful he has spades because, like I said, he if if he believed we had an ace when he bet, betting a flush draw, let's say, and the flush draw gets there, now he knows we're not going to go anywhere because now if we don't have a queen, we have aces up with probably a king kicker or something in his mind. So he wants us to be in the hand. He wants to be. He knows we're going to make a call. He's going to bet this. He's not going to lose value on the street if he made a flush. Plus, he's going to kind of want to protect his hand in case another ace comes or another queen comes again to give you a full house or quads or something weird. So right. why would he not bet up? Plus, he's aggressive. So I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't believe this guy. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. I'm betting 55 60 bucks right now and saying, you want to hit that crappy spade that you're so aggressive and wild <laughs> with in your hand? You're going to pay to do it. Interesting. Hmm. That's me, buddy. That's that's how I play. Interesting. I'm yeah. an interesting man in poker. <laughs> I don't always play no one but Holden, but when I do, I bet big. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess my normal conservative nature is going to make me want to check behind for pot control here just because I'm still not sure exactly where we are. I feel confident, but not overly confident. But I guess you're right. If you're going to bet, you know, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, right? And, um,. Or a flush here if you bet the pot. So it might be a better way of getting money out of a weaker hand. The only spade that helps us is the king of spades. So you're literally giving a free chance at his price to hit a, a random spade and make and represent, because he's wild, he's going to get the bet first, represent right. the spade too if he doesn't even have it, and we're going to sit there and get bluffed. So we need, to, we need to bet. All right. Um, all right. Uh, here it says, I think about checking, but think I need to cha- charge any draws he has, and I bet $30 into the $55 pot. Big blind raises to 100 Yeah, I, I don't believe him. I'm shoving. I don't believe him, because if I just call, now I'm still... See, this seems like it's one of those semi-bluffs from Sklansky, right? I'm, yep. he, he could take it down now, and if not, he could still hit his random spade at the end. But to me... Even if I'm wrong, and he's got the flush already, even if I'm yeah. wrong, yeah. I still have three aces, three sevens, 
three kings and a queen to make yep. my boat. I, I'm not I'm not going anywhere, and I don't believe this guy. He's he's really aggressive. He just took down a huge pot with a big bluff, and there's no way I'm letting this hand go. I'm just not. I have three queens with a king kicker and ace king hand, so you know I, I'm just not letting this hand go. And there's no way I'm just calling. So what? I call and then see another spade come, and then I've wasted money. No, I'm I'm dropping it now. I'm I'm putting it all in. Oh, I like it. I think that's the way to go. All right. I can't believe you agree with me. I thought for sure you were running scared. Well, no, I mean, this is always the, the benefit here uh, the, the, for those of us that run scared is that we always like to have an insurance policy, right? Yeah. So, and that's exactly what I'm looking at here is like if we're behind, we still have outs to catch up and quite a few outs, as you mentioned. So, yeah. depending on what they have, I mean, we could be wrong. We're kind of assuming that it could be a flush here, but it could be, you know, if it's ace queen, then we're really screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> if it's ace queen, we can't. Uh, but yeah, otherwise we have outs and, um, uh, let's put them to a test. So let's see. Yes. All right. Our hero says, I feel it's too weak to fold at this moment, knowing my opponent. So I put in the extra 70 bucks, not feeling very confident. All right. So different way of looking at it. Hmm. And uh, the river is the six of diamonds, making the final board ace of spades, queen of hearts, seven of spades, queen of spades, six of diamonds. Pod set $250. The big blind thinks for a while and then goes all in. And it'll be the rest of our hundred and eighty dollars to call. It just it just feels like it's a I can't win unless I bet bluff. It doesn't feel like he's got even if he has an ace, he's wrong. So we we, we have to be either up against a flush, which we ruled out by the way he played it. You don't check raise a flush. I mean you just don't. You you, you know that if if you are playing us and we raise pre flop, you've gotta put us because we're you know, probably a, a strong, tight, aggressive, tight, you know, tight, aggressive player or even whatever. So he's got to know we have to have something like a queen or ace in our hand. If he knows that and he makes his flush, he's going to bet into us because he knows we can't fold our hand. And he's not, he knows we're going to think, hey, he doesn't have the flush yet. You know, I mean, he have to have specifically two, you know, suited cards and in the blind and all that. So, I just don't believe this guy. I don't know what it is about him, but maybe it was. Maybe I've, I've I bought too hard into the whole the last potty one was a big bluff or something, but I, I just don't believe this. And I don't believe the betting into me either. I just don't believe it from the beginning to end. So I'm going to call. I think I got the right call here. Yeah. No, I think this is, you're right, this is classic. I've been betting the whole way, and now the only way I can win is to put you all in and make you really think about it. So yeah. Because let's think of other hands that made it there. Did he raise a pocket aces? He would have. Would he have raised with pocket sevens? Probably, but he certainly would have shut it down. I mean, he wouldn't have. Maybe he check raises with sevens full. Maybe, maybe, but I don't know. If he knows we have an ace in his mind, he's going to keep betting because it's going to look suspicious to check raise now. Why not just keep betting into me when he knows I have like ace king and I've got aces and queens with a king kicker or three queens, which is what he's really hoping for. So if he's worried about ace queen. You know, then he wouldn't have check raised. So I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. I know I'm going on and on about it, but I just I feel real passionate about this one for some reason. Believe it. <laughs> All right. Um, our hero says I think for a long time, uh, but don't see him trying it on twice in the space of a few hands. So I can't see past pocket sevens with a flush. So I fold. With delight, he tables the king of spades, ten of hearts for a busted straight and oh, flush draw. Uh, I think my play is too exploitable long term. Not sure exactly where I went wrong, though. Yeah, I, I, 
Oh, I don't. I don't like the call on the turn. I think I would have just shoved. Um, but I certainly don't like the fold on the end. If we were confident enough to call, the six didn't change anything. If yeah, we, six, if we're, yeah, you know, I mean, if we're, yeah, I mean, Leslie somehow had pocket sixes and didn't believe us and was just bluffing and then got there with a two outer. There's no other hand that I'm afraid of. If I called the seventy, why didn't I just call the six two? You know, because it was 180. Would you have called if he shoved on the turn? You know, or would you have fold because you only put 30 and 15 in the spot or whatever? So, I, I just I don't know. I, I also think that maybe if you didn't believe him on that flop um, when he bets into you, then you know maybe you don't call the 15. Um, you re-raise there and get your answer right away, and then he probably drops the gutter um maybe not i don't know uh, but it's i don't know where else i mean you could fold the hand pre-flop but that's way too way too weak um i find it a really interesting hand because um the way he played it of course he folded <laughs> but if you would have called was the best way to get our opponent's stack right yeah and i think we would have played it differently and would not have gotten the stack now, of course, he didn't get the stack either because he folded, but um, I, it's really a fascinating look at this hand, and uh, there, there are some spots that we could won and won less money. Playing it the way we did here was really the best way of getting this guy's stack, and it, of course, if you didn't fold. <laughs> right. But, um, so it, it's you know, it's a really good hand, I think, to go back and look at and how you can play it. Differently, I mean, a lot of our hands we get, there's like one moment we can pick out where if you did this or that, you would have won. This one, this whole, the whole hand changes depending on how we react differently in any one of these spots. Right, any one of the steps, yep. And, uh, I mean, really, this is a hand you could sit there and probably talk for four or five hours about, you know, hey, if I would have done this here, what would have, what would the big blind have done differently? Um, And how would that have changed the hand? So... What's interesting is the button folds to the call, so that means uh, you, you got to think he's playing babies in his hand, just hoping to crack somebody there, and that's why he didn't call. But yeah, um, yeah, but right, yeah. yeah, no, you're right. Every every street, every street, something could have been done. Like who knows what would have happened had he bet the sixty instead of the thirty, twice your bet. Would he have raised to 120, or would he have said, "Wow, that's a lot. That guy really believes, doesn't believe me," and Maybe you would have fold there, or maybe he shoves there, and then you get your answer. You know, so you're right. Every street really playing in our way might have changed, or my way might have changed too. So interesting hand. Well, it, it's no wonder that you know Gavin started listening to the show. Now, I mean, he's now he's got these interesting things to send us. So I look forward yeah. to more Gavin submissions in the future. I'm Chris Casenza, and I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music.